So let's talk about some LGBTQIA films to watch this Pride Month. Guys, happy Pride. It is June, which is Pride Month, and it's all about representation or it's all about um, having joy in being yourself and who you are. And um, yeah, let's talk about some movies. But before I break down some of these Pride movies that you guys should check out this Pride Month, I do want to talk about why it's uh, representation is important or why queerness in the media, it, the representation of that is important. Um, and it comes down to, you know, people having questions like, oh my God, they're forcing people to be gay. Oh my God, content these days, they're forcing it on us. Soon everybody's going to be gay. And just honestly, it really doesn't work like that. <laughs> It really doesn't work like that. I think for the most part, people are born gay, you know, because I feel like people wouldn't choose to live that lifestyle when it's like really difficult in society. Um, the society was not built, you know, let's, yeah, civilization, I'll put it this way. Civilization was not built to facilitate homosexuality or anything outside of straightness and cisgenderedness. So why would somebody choose that if that isn't just who they were authentically? You think about, think about all the people that are literally risking their lives just to be who they are. But at the same time, like, why would you want to be anything other than who you are? So that's what Pride Month is about. It's really about celebration, a celebration of oneself. Um, and I think the most interesting thing about society, about the world, is the differences in, we, in all of us. And I think tolerance is an important thing. Now, I, funny enough, I posted this on my Instagram and somebody commented. I just want to read the comment because I thought it was quite interesting. Um, the comment, she said, I want to quote her correctly. She was like, I respect their choices, but I don't want to see it in it on my face 24-7. I think she meant in her face. And to me, that was just such an interesting comment because it's like, how do you see it in your face 24-7? There's barely any representation. It, in fact, these 11 films that I'm going to break down, it was pretty hard to find a, you know, a list of films. They're not that many films. Um, so that's firstly. And then secondly... Okay, I want to talk about representation and the importance of representation. Now, people take representation for granted. And I want to tell a, like a quick little like story about this guy, a friend of mine who was a cisgendered white man, you know, cisgendered white man, American, living in America. And I was having a conversation with him about uh, how diversity is happening in content and we're getting more black content and all this stuff and he just didn't understand the need or the importance of having more content with black people in it and he wasn't racist you know he definitely isn't a racist but he just didn't understand the importance of having content that was diverse as far as he could see the world that he lives in his cup was full. So what is the point of adding new things and changing the mix? Now, let's remember, this is a cisgendered, heteros heterosexual white man living in America. 
this country, this world was designed and built for him. He doesn't understand the nuances that come with void. He can't even relate because every time he wanted a reference, he would see himself, whether it's in a superhero, an action figure, he wanted a reference as to how he was going to be a hero in his life and he just turned on the television and that was handed to him there and then. He wanted to understand what it was like to ask a girl out and all he had to do was turn on the TV, read a book, any form of media and it was there because it gave him how to do it from the white American male perspective. So he never had that void and he doesn't understand the lack of it. He doesn't understand that. So my converse, my thing is, what about the people that don't have that representation? What about the black people that had to watch television, that go to the grocery store, and even when we get a plaster, like we get a Band-Aid, it's not even our skin tone. We walk through society and everything we see, the default is white skin. Knowing that you are an other, you have zero representation in every facet of society. Now, I'm talking about a time when there was zero representation for black people. Now we have a lot more, but not near enough. And to which, I mean, and I just think, I didn't fault him for it. I didn't, I wasn't angry at him for it because it's not his fault. It's the ignorance, right? It's the ignorance of privilege. And it's a good place to be. He didn't ask for this world to be this way. He didn't ask to be a white man to be born into this world. This is not his fault. And even him advocating against, it wasn't advocating against it, but him not seeing the importance of it. Well, that's not his fault either because everything has been provided to him that he could ever imagine before he even thought to ask of it. And he will never even comprehend the nuances of a void. And so it's funny to me when black people use the same, same ideology and push it on other segregated groups, like when black men do the same thing to black women or when black people do this to the LGBTQIA community. That to me is so interesting. And when I think about equality, the reason why the doors are thrusting open right now is because we're all fighting together to be treated like humans, to be equal. And that's why this movement is happening because when it was just black people doing it, it didn't get that far. If it's just white people, if it's just LGBTQIA plus people, it's not gonna get that far. But when we all do it together, where there's strength in numbers and us doing it together in the media landscape, pushing for inclusion and diversity, well, this is what has transformed the industry and opened so many doors. Now, I just want to say that it's so interesting to me that she said she doesn't want it pushed in her face 24-7. And I was like, how is it pushed in your face 24-7? First of all, we live in a new media landscape. We live in like Web 3 or Web 2. Some people are still in Web 2. You go on YouTube and the algorithms are literally designed based on your taste. The algorithm is literally not going to recommend something that you don't even want to watch so you already your social media existence is already in, in an echo chamber 
And then you have the freedom to turn things on and turn things off and watch things on demand. We didn't have that 20 years ago. Literally 20 years ago when we sit in front of the television, we have to watch whatever they gave, they gave us. We don't even have the option of what we're gonna watch unless like we go to Blockbuster and pick up a DVD and then, you know what I'm saying? So we didn't have the we didn't have the convenience and the options, but today you can literally turn things off. You know, I think what is annoying people is that they want to watch this story. They just don't want to watch it about an other group. They don't want to watch it about black people. They love the story, but they don't want to relate with the blackness. Or they love the story, they don't want to relate with the LGBTQIA-ness of it. And to that I say, well, go and make your own content. <laughs> Literally. Or stop complaining. Turn it off, don't watch it, or go and make your own content. And it's not easy to make content. So that's that. That's, you know, representation, very important. But I just want to move into a more positive area and talk about why this representation is important. Um, and the, I think, first of all, yes, I explained this. For individuals, it is important to have representation. It's important to feel seen. You know, it's important when you move through society to be able to pull from advice from people that have experienced what you are going through. That's why YouTube is the biggest streaming platform on the planet because you can literally find anything that you're looking for. You can find people that have experienced things that you've ex that you you're experiencing right now and they can walk you through how to get through that. That's why YouTube beats out all traditional media outlets, even Netflix with billions of of daily viewers on on YouTube. You, uh, Netflix has like 200 million subscribers, not even close to YouTube's numbers. Why? Because YouTube gives relatability, because YouTube has rep representation. And because of that, the traditional media had to learn how to compete and catch up with YouTube because of that representation. So representation is extremely important. But uh, aside from the benefits of the individual that's experiencing this, Representation is also important because it shows us the humanity in people. I remember when I watched Insecure and at the end of Insecure, they made this documentary and everybody on the cast was complimenting Issa Rae because she showed the humanity in black people through her show Insecure at a time when the police was killing us and people just didn't care about black stories and black stories were just literally not on television anymore like they were in the 90s. Issa Rae showed the humanity in black people. And this is exactly what these movies do. Not only do they offer you a window into the lifestyle, the mentalities of these people, they show you the humanity of these people. They show you the reality of what it's like. You know, I'm a curious person. I love to travel the world. I love to explore the world. I love to explore people and their mentality, what they think like, how they act. I love to do that. And there are a lot of people that love to do that. And when you watch these shows, it offers you a window to a different perspective than yours. Now, why isn't that fascinating? And then, I think, I mean, this is a side story. Um, the way that this stuff has transitioned, the way this content has transitioned now, 
is that before when we saw, you know, LGBTQIA plus content, it was all through the lens of like trauma porn, this sort of like heteronormative expectation of what the gay experience or the LGBTQIA plus experience must have been. You know, this idea that like, oh, well, you are other, so you have to suffer and we want to see the suffering. In part, it's almost like the sadists or the people that want to see LGBTQIA plus people suffer want to enjoy that, you know, but also it's almost psychologically telling these, you know, gays and trans folk that they are wrong for what they're doing and they should go, you know, I don't know what they should do because that's who they are. But now we have a new era of content where we're not accepting that content anymore. It's the same thing as like uh, the slave movies for black people. We're just like, we're not, we don't want to watch that anymore. We're, we're not accepting it. We don't want trauma porn. We don't want that. We want to see loving stories, happy stories about our people, our culture, because our lives, some people live through traumatic situations, but some people don't. Some people live very happy lives, and let's see the examples of that. Not all movies need to be these traumatic stories, right? So that's the importance of all of that. So now let's move into, I think there's a little thing I wanted to mention. Oh, I just wanted to conclude, yeah. So the comment that I got on Instagram stating that, you know, she doesn't want to see it in her face and stuff like that. I just think about the privilege of a statement like that. You don't want to see it in your face. You know, you're just coming from a privileged place. Like, what if, what if, you know, gays, trans folk, what if they don't want to see your content pushed into their face? Like, heteronormative content pushed into their face, but they don't have the option. Because this is the way the way the world has been built. They don't want to see your stuff. But why is your, why is your wants, why is that, why should that be prioritized over someone else's wants? Why? Because you fit into societal standards? I think it's a question, um, because when people dive into these like selfish, and it's, it's a natural, normal human thing to be selfish, but when you only think about yourself and what you stand to gain, like my friend who didn't understand why it's even necessary to have you know black people on television, <laughs> not racist, but just completely ignorant. When you just think about your own self and your own experience and you only think about how you navigate the world, well, that's just coming from a selfish place. And it's not about you. <laughs> I promise you, these filmmakers are not making this content for you, you as an individual. They're making it for a lot of people so they can influence the lives of millions of people. And people are diverse, people are different. So for some people it matters, and so for some people it doesn't. I think I've gone a little bit quite long on this. So I wanna now talk about some of the movies that you guys should check out this Pride Month. Number one. Number one, Fire Island. Oh, this movie, I watched this last night. It was such a great movie. Um, Rom-com, like, it, it, it's just a mixture of, you know, you know, like, I don't know, like, one of those, like, holiday vacation, like, bridesmaids meets, but with a bunch of gays. And it's hilarious, and it has the nuances of sort of, like, the gay community, 
and it also has the the romance of a traditional rom-com because you don't see this so i thought it was so interesting and i loved how not only did they show have diversity in the fact that this was this was a gay show they had a gay asian two gay asian leads in the show and everybody it was super diverse they had a black person a hispanic a white guy and i and, and even like well, the love interest was white one of them was white one of them was asian but then also there was another white one who was just like the side guy they didn't really have too many they didn't part like they didn't do any kind of like reverse racism type of thing where they like put a white guy in a lame role because they had a good mix of everybody and it had great representation so it was very interesting because even within the lgbtqia plus community there are these uh heteronormative or white supremacist heteronormative standards that they try to mimic which is quite interesting but this film just kind of flipped that completely on its head and had this gay asian lead and i love there's something to say about the um asian american or yeah asian american film industry which is like i've been watching it for a few years and it does so well on youtube um and it's like a it's a very big industry which is like something to look into for sure so that was a great that was a great movie fire island definitely a watch another one that i loved i saw this on netflix heartstopper this was so adorable um such an adorable movie it reminds me of uh love simon love simon and also there's this uk drama that came out in like the early 2000s that was called sugar rush reminds me of that but this is a uk drama so it was a series and it's actually about a bisexual character so it gives a lot of visibility to bisexuality within a male character which is something that we don't really see a lot you know we don't see that a lot in media and we don't see that i i, I don't think i even know a bisexual man that's out to be honest so I, you don't see it in, in real life that you know and it's almost like it shows us because people i feel like people don't respect or acknowledge bisexuality whether it's in the gay community or even in the normal world because people look at it like it's some sort of transitioning state or it's some sort of um confused state when in reality they're literally just people that like both sexes or yeah that just like both sexes right it's just like some people like steak and they like beef they like both of them why does it have to be one or the other and that's the mentality so and i think what i loved about this was that it was showing that men are not exempt from that and there's this like taboo of men you know especially in the 80s that men that were like in the down low you know they're married to a woman and they're sleeping with a, another man and that was kind of like the stigma around male bisexuality and i, I think a lot of women are, are also against you know dating you know bisexual men but i think if the world fosters an environment where and also there's toxic masculinity around uh gayness and so imagine a man that's straight but also gay right he's bisexual where does he fit in in that world where those two worlds are pushing against each other it's very interesting and i think that uh, there needs to be a show that explores that it's quite interesting especially keeping upholding masculinity those interesting dynamics 
but this show doesn't really go into that because these guys were quite young. But I think as he comes of age, that's an interesting conversation to think about a bisexual man. How does he navigate the modern world with toxic masculinity and all of these things? But I think the important thing here with ha having representation for bisexual men, especially, is it, the more representation there is, the more people can feel comfortable. First of all, with tolerance in the world, people will become more tolerant of it. And also, bise bisexual men themselves could just not stay in the closet and just be themselves, you know, because they're still going to do what they're going to do. <laughs> Don't think forcing people to shut up is going to stop them from being who they are. They're still going to be who they are, but they don't have to do it in the down low, pretty much. Gentleman Jack, number three. This is a great one. This is a really great show on HBO. HBO never fails. That's my quote. It's on HBO, but it's BBC produced. And it's about this entrepreneurial... It based on, first of all, it's based on a real story set in the 1800s, this entrepreneurial woman, she's a gentleman Jack, which is actually a, a an insult back in those days. It's an insult uh, for, it's almost like calling someone, like a, so calling someone like a dyke, right? It's, it's an insult, right? Uh, gentleman Jack. And yeah, this is based on a real story. They actually got, she had these diaries that they found and they would, they made the script over her about her diaries and I think her diaries were like cryptic in real life but the show is based on her so she takes on she's looking for a lover they're in season two right now but season one you know she's looking for a lover she finds this beautiful woman uh, not beautiful but <laughs> she finds this wealthy woman who's you know who everyone has in her family has died her parents have died she's inherited a lot of money and so Anne Lister wants to make her her companion and move her this wealthy girl into Ann Lister's home, uh, Shipton Hall. And, you know, just kind of like Game of Thrones, they have their own, like, castles or their own big houses, you know, uh, back in, you know, those days. Yeah, and, and so the story is just about her finding love and, and, and making her way and, and also being an entrepreneur, being very masculine in an 1800 world. Like, a lot of the things that she does, it's, it's the stuff that you see, you know, women today doing, boss chicks, doing in business but back then you know when the men had a lot more power you see the men in shock when they see Ann Lister just bossing people around it's, it's a great show definitely something to watch um and you know just based on even the gender roles so it's not even just about the interesting love stories but even just the gender dynamic and the expectation of women the way the show explores that that's quite interesting as well so that's a definitely a good one of course, number four, Love, Simon. This is such a great one. I watched this a while ago. came out in 2018. Great. Just an adorable movie. It reminds me, again, like, Heartstoppers reminded me of it. So adorable. Um, and it was a good way to see representation in high school. It was one of those high school dramas that where I imagine it was probably the toughest time for somebody to, you know, be out and about. Then, A Secret Love, I saw this a couple days ago on Netflix. This one is a documentary about this couple who were with together for 60 plus years, over 60 years together. This movie made me cry.
cry so much. It was so cute. So the documentary follows follows their life together, and they talk about how you know they're Canadians. They moved to America in the '40s. They moved to Chicago, and it just talks about how they got together, how they spend their life together, what they're doing now because they're still together. Well, you're gonna have to watch the movie, but they're still together in the movie, and it's just such a great story and it's just so sad how they had to hide their love so they, they lived together but they told everybody that they were living together to save up money on rent um, and so they lived together and they worked together they worked in the same office together they lied to everybody in their family including their closest 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 relatives even people that they were best friends with they all lied to all of them and said they were just friends you know, and until, you know, later on in the documentary, they start coming out, you know, in their 90s. I think they're in their 90s. They start coming out. And it's just the way the story unfolds, the sad truths about them hiding their love. It's just such a great story. Definitely a must watch. Ooh. Uh-oh. Definitely a must watch. All right. Next one. The L word. So here's the thing about the L word. I love the original. Generation Q, I feel like season one is good. Season two is a mess. It's just like, what is this? It's uh, it's not good. It's just not good writing, you know. It's just, uh, but season one is good. The L word generally is a great show. It, go watch the original L word. This Generation Q thing is just a mess. Like, I think it's season, episode, season two is just like, the storylines are just not realistic. But I just put it in there because I feel like the L word is an iconic LGBTQIA plus uh, show. Definitely something to watch. So that's, that's on there. Number seven, Euphoria. Arguably the best show on TV right now. Hey, Game of Thrones is coming or House of Dragon is coming. So... But for now, Euphoria is the best show on TV, and it has it really explores sexuality and the complexities of sexuality in an interesting way. It also explores gender identity. It actually doesn't go too deep into gender identity, but there is uh, a trans character in the show, and it shows an interesting dynamic of this trans character not being treated poorly by her peers. They just kind of blend this trans character beautifully into the story, and it's not like a thing. It's not, people aren't pointing at her. She's not being mistreated. If anything, people glorify her in the story, and that was an interesting way that they showed a trans character to get us, you know, to change perceptions in society so people aren't shocked or people aren't, you know, anymore in this show they actually glorify her they actually pedestalize her in a way which is quite interesting and of course we have zendaya in it great show definitely a must watch i say best show on television for sure and there's so many other interesting dynamics that the show comes with that make it so interesting number eight number eight is blue is the warmest color this is an old one like 2013 pretty old not that old it's not an old movie but it's, it's kind of old artsy fartsy kind of movie if you like that french artsy fartsy kind of movie doesn't really have like an uh, the story arc isn't what moves it's not about the story arc but it's about 
the visual vocabulary. <laughs> I'm not going to be that. But it's very artsy-fartsy. And it's just about life. Capturing life as it happens. You know what I'm saying? And that's an interesting dynamic. And I think the reason why it did win at the Cannes Film Festival that year is because is because it was at that time I don't I didn't I don't think a lot of lesbian films were really being pushed out you know of the I don't, yeah in media they weren't I, so I think it's definitely about representation and that's the reason why it got a lot of attention then um, and also and I think there was like some very steamy sex scenes as well so but it, other than that it's a great show definitely something sorry movie great movie very interesting artsy fartsy if you like artsy fartsy stuff definitely check it out if you like that french cinema type thing it, it it definitely fits into that category for sure sex education so i just had to put this on the list i haven't actually watched this all these movies i've watched all these movies and shows i've watched apart from this i've wa i'm on like episode three of season one I, I haven't quite figured out if it's my thing yet but i know everybody loves this and this is a you know must watch it gives you a good understanding about sexuality and all those things so definitely just go check this out for sure and just like that now sex in the city is such an iconic show you know it captures women's lives in their 30s so accurately that it feels as though you're watching yourself on camera that's like or like you and the lives of your friends that is how realistic Sex and City is. And what's interesting about it to me is when they and when it came out in the 90s, it was so iconic because at, in those days, we didn't, or at least I, I mean, I'm, I was super young then, but in those days, there was no representation of women in cinema, the authenticity of women in cinema and, and television in those days. Because like they always had, the, remember back in those days, it was men writing these stories. And so this was the opportunity, and it, they really captured the reality, the truth of women in those days, and that was what made it relatable. So that's another interesting thing. I want to really caveat back to the girl that said she doesn't see the need, or you know, people not seeing the need. Even women weren't. We didn't have representation. We didn't have accurate, accurate portrayals of ourselves. And that's what Sex and the City offered, and that was just in the 90s. And, and that's why it was groundbreaking. So obviously, as they reimagined this show, and just like that, they were going to give us a modern example of that, the re showcasing the realities of women in their 60s, but also sexuality in the modern era. And it's not as though these sexual things did not exist then. They just were more primitive. People weren't as open in them or understanding of themselves. Like, I don't know if, how... I don't know when non-binaryness came about, you know, in, 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 in thought, but I don't think the level of understanding that we have and even non-binary people have about it, I don't think that was there in, in the 90s. And so this show captures a non-binary character and um, it's, it's been out for a while. I can spoil it. I'm sorry. <laughs> but Amanda, you know, becoming a lesbian, you know? Sorry, Miranda, did I call her Amanda? <laughs> Miranda becoming a lesbian, or not lesbian, I don't know what to call it, but she's dating a, uh, a non-binary character who was born female, put it that way. 
So it just interesting. It shows the interesting dynamics of uh, the LGBTQIA plus community or the non-binariness and the sexuality and how this is a woman that was straight all her life and then in her 60s or sorry in her 50s she then starts dating this non-binary character and what's that about it's an interesting part of the show um and they've they, the way the show you know talked about or or showcased acceptability politics was also quite interesting as well sex and city has always had gay male characters in it but i think now they they did want to explore trans and even charlotte had a daughter who was trans you know so they really wanted to navigate the acceptability politics and how how trans people perceive themselves how they expect the world to interact with them and how people should interact with them um and obviously this was a very liberal facing and even at times when some of the characters did not support or did not understand the other person's plights there was still a way that they came together through understanding and this type of content really pushes um tolerance in the world you don't have to accept it you don't have to you could try to understand it it offers understanding but it, it really pushes for tolerance and that's like that's the importance of representation to be honest finally sort of this is a great show hbo as well um and it's about this non-binary character um just showcasing their humanity right showcasing the character's humanity showcasing the normalcy of the person's life you know of their life because again people think it's so strange when people are trans or people are non-binary it's so foreign so you just start looking at them as not human or subhuman or something and this show just showed that this non-binary person is the most basic human that you could ever meet just like the rest of us you know very relatable and the way they really were able to push for that relatability was through her humor and her sorry said her their humor i don't know what their pronouns are so their humor and their mentality so the great show as well anyway so many great shows to see uh this pride month happy pride uh, let me know if i left anything leave a comment down below don't forget to like follow subscribe all the above my name is Kenem, and see you next time, guys. And please, guys, leave me a cash app. Um, cash app me, link down below, but it's dollar sign Kenem OBA. Yeah, and uh, I'll see you guys next time. All right, peace and stream.